Seek those things which are above. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen. The women who went to the tomb early in the morning that first Easter were not expecting to find their beloved Jesus alive. They had come with spices and ointments to complete the anointing of the body, to make of it a kind of relic for their devotion, and the grave a shrine of lost hopes. They must have been appalled to find the stone rolled away and the grave empty, the body apparently stolen or confiscated, and they ran to tell the other disciples. Mary Magdalene must have been quickest to arrive. She gave a report to Peter and John, who then ran to the tomb to see it for themselves. They found it empty. The stone rolled away from the door, and the grave clothes in which the corpse had been wrapped now abandoned, folded, and lying in there. Peter, it seems, did not know what to make of this. St. Luke tells us that he departed, wondering himself at that which was come to pass. The beloved disciple, with the sudden intuition of love, sees that God's hand is at work. He saw and believed, and that even he did not really know what had happened, for as yet they knew not the scriptures that he should rise from the dead. Easter begins with astonishment, perplexity, confusion, shock, fear, and bewilderment. Like men awakening from deep, from sleep, the disciples struggle to make sense of what has happened and what it means. They struggle to make sense of the empty tomb. And it will take Jesus himself appearing to them visible, audible, tangible, to bring them from doubt to faith, from perplexity to understanding, from sorrow to joy. Yet the empty tomb guarantees that the risen Christ proclaimed to them is no figment of overheated imagination, nor group hallucination, no overdrawn metaphor, nor symbolic survival in the memory and the ideals of his followers. The Jesus who appears to them over the course of 40 days is the same Jesus who died on the cross and was buried in the tomb and who was raised by the power of God. The same Jesus, the same incarnate Son of God, his full and perfect person undiminished. Indeed, quite the opposite. Jesus has not come back from death. On this Christian Passover feast, we should remember he has not come back 
from the dead. He has, as St. Barnard puts it, passed over to life. He has even crossed over because it is by the means of the cross, his death on the cross, that completed his return from the world to the Father. All this has already been accomplished fully and completely when the women arrive at the tomb. They are early to rise, but Christ is earlier still. What we see is the beginnings of this passing over in them, the discovery of the empty tomb, the birth pangs of faith in the resurrection. What he has done for them, he now begins, begins to do in them. This is also the theme of the epistle lesson from the Colossians. If the gospel lesson gives us a glimpse of Easter morning, the epistle lesson gives us the full view. Christ dead, risen, ascended, enthroned at the right hand of God one day to return in all his magnificent glory. All of this is fully complete, fully accomplished, or sure to come. All of this has been done already for us. And, and because it has all been done for us by him, these things are also true of us in him. Already we are dead with Christ. We are risen with Christ. We are enthroned with him in heavenly places. All has been accomplished, and nothing now stands between us and God. You and I, we are members of Christ, the children of God, inheritors of the kingdom of heaven. And yet, this exalted status is known to us by faith alone, for our life is hid with Christ in God. Our salvation, known by faith alone, is yet to be made visible when Christ, who is your life, shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory. The Christian life, therefore, has a somewhat paradoxical character, both now and not yet, already accomplished and yet to be fulfilled. Simul justus et peccator, said the Reformers. The Christian faith is both righteous, the Christian is both righteous and a sinner at the same time. We are justified, accounted righteous before God because of the perfect righteousness of Christ imputed to us through faith alone. And yet, yet we remain sinners, working out our salvation in fear and trembling, cultivating holiness in obedience to the law of Christ. It is both a status we enjoy and a service we must render. What has been completed for us must yet be completed in us. Assured of his favor and goodness towards us, we yet pray for grace to do all such good works as he has prepared for us to walk in. We pray indeed, we pray indeed to become what we already are. 
That really is the point of the Apostles' exhortation. Seek those things which are above. Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. He's not saying ignore the realities of life in this world. Christianity is not a flight from the world, an escape from reality, a retreat into some spiritual or aesthetic ideal. The imperative is rather to govern your life on earth and to make judgments about it in light of heavenly reality known by faith. It is a call to embrace in thought and will and action the wisdom that is from above, the wisdom of Almighty God, which makes foolish, foolish, the wisdom of this world. The Church's liturgy is an education in this heavenly wisdom of Christ crucified and risen. It teaches us how to seek those things that are above, to set our minds on things above. We hear human words, yet faith discerns in them the word of God, which is strong to save. We see water poured, and it remains water, and yet faith discerns in it the forgiveness of sins and new life, regeneration, rebirth of the spiritually dead to spiritual life. We partake in bread and wine that have been consecrated by a priest, and they remain bread and wine, and yet something more. In them, faith discerns and feeds upon the true and real presence of Christ's body and blood, the virtue and the efficacy of his sacrifice. A people is gathered by this word, baptized in this water, admitted to this communion, and they remain, you remain, I remain, human beings with all our foibles and frailties. Yet faith discerns in us, in each other, fellow members of the body of Christ, children of God, co-heirs of the kingdom, not strangers nor enemies, but brothers and sisters in the Lord. And the wisdom of God taught to us in the liturgy overflows into our lives. We meet with challenges, disappointments, tragedies, deep and real sadness, yet faith sees and believes in these evils the providential purpose of God, bringing good out of evil, life out of death. We are irritated and hurt by the sins of others who trespass against us, disappointed and cast down by dis into despair. But our transgressions and trespasses, by our own transgressions and trespasses, and yet faith knows that where sin abounds, grace shall abound all the much more. Our bodies, the material world in which we live, so poorly treated, exploited, and abused, so fragile and doomed to death. Yet faith discerns even in the grave the sure and certain hope of resurrection. Faith looks to the transformation of our vile bodies that they may be made like unto the glorious body of our Savior, according to the mighty working, whereby he shall subdue all things, all things unto himself.
Perhaps this Easter finds us like Mary Magdalene, in sore distress, or like Peter, in shame and perplexity. But the stone is rolled away. The tomb lies empty. The way lies open for us to follow Christ who died for us, who rose again for us, who ascended into heaven for us, who is even now seated at the right hand of God for us. The late Father Richard Newhouse summed it up succinctly and beautifully this way. To prodigal children lost in a distant land, to disciples who forsook him and fled, to a thief who believed or maybe took pity and pretended to believe, to those who do not know that what they did, they did to God. To the whole bedraggled company of humankind he had abandoned heaven to join. He says, come, come. Everything is ready now. Everything is ready. In your fears and your laughter, in your friendship and farewells, in your loves and losses, in what you have been able to do and in what you know you will never get done, Come, follow me. We are going home. We're going home to the waiting Father. And I would add, a Father who in this newly given grace is with us. He is with us more profoundly than we can understand or believe. Closer to us than the air we breathe. He is with us every step of the way. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen.